0: We're in John. If you have your Bibles and like to turn there, John chapter six. It's a, a story you know well, I, I think probably. But this is one of my main struggles, personally. So I, I I hope today, as we go through it, and you see, one of the main leaps you and I need to do. And I want to introduce it this way. You know, when I was in Africa, I got to go and be a missionary in Africa, and it was it was it was The country maybe you never heard of, Burkina Faso. Really poor and dirty. We had a little base in the city we'd stay at and then go out into the countryside where there's no electricity and no running water and that kind of stuff. But when we were in town, every morning, you'd get up at the dawn. It was a new day breaking. And the joy of the day, to me, was going across the street because across the street for 12 cents, you could get a fresh baked loaf of bread. It was a baguette, you know, one of those French bakeries and they had these things and it was as amazing. I think they got up at three or something to make them. So they just were all laid out and you could get one and take it home and to, 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 to break it open. I'm going to make you hungry if I can this morning. Break it open and it's crispy on the outside and soft in the middle and it smells like fresh and you're just like, ah. Oh finally something I want to eat provision from the Lord. So fantastic. Loved it. Loved when we got to do it. And, uh, I like bread. I like bread a lot more than Turkey. Sorry. Thanksgiving, but bread is amazing. Right? And so we come to this story today, this account of Jesus, and he's going to feed the 5,000. He's the bread of life. And I think most of my life I see God as my provider. My provider of bread. I like give us this day our daily bread. And that's really good. He does do that. Everything we have is from the Lord. God's sovereignty is true. He makes us. He holds us together. It's a true thing. But my hope for you today is that you might move from that to something more radical and deeper, and real. Not that God provides your bread, but that Jesus is your bread. That shift is actually really big, and one I really struggle with. So I want to share you from that from the Bible today, and talk about what it means when that happens. When you can say, yeah, you know what? Jesus is my bread. What a difference that is for your life. So let's look at it, and we'll look at the story together. It's foundational to life, you know. He's, this this has shaped me, and without a doubt, the message of this text this morning. So, with you, it's it's John chapter six. It's a amazing long chapter. We can't get through all of it, but I I want you to to start and see it. And it it's from giver, the giver of bread, to the gift, which is bread itself and to see that that this morning in John. This is what Jesus comes to tell us. Okay, so first, just see Jesus. He's amazing. Our Savior, he's a miracle worker. He can do anything, and we get to see it first this morning with what he does. So chapter 6, verse 1, says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. So wait there for a minute for me. So that this is, again, one of those things where chapter 6 starts, and the scene definitely comes up again. The curtain's been down. And John shifts his scene to another time, another place. And, and he tells us where. There's Jesus now, and he's by the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and, and he, he sets it up for us, Right? It's the where the Golan Heights are, if you've ever been to Israel. The crowds are gathered. And, and then he says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. So that's even this spiritual setting, right? The feast they're going to do of eating this lamb, signifying this perfect lamb, you know, that they killed to put the blood on the doorpost so the angel of death, when it came over, wouldn't kill him. So lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Okay, so this amazing miracle, and you've probably heard it before, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000, but realize what Jesus is doing. He's testing. Who, the crowd? No. This whole thing is for his disciples. And much of this miracle, and the way we need to look at it, is through the lens of the disciples. <laughs> We're disciples, aren't we, of Jesus? Okay, Philip answered him, 200 denarii, that's 200 days labor. That's a lot of money. Worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Well, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Okay, so the scene is set, right? So you've got Philip, and Philip's like, well, we don't have any money. We don't have any means to get the stuff we want. Jesus, you gave me a logistical problem, and it's it's not really solvable. And Andrew, well, we don't have a great supply. We've got a little bit of stuff. I don't think you're meant to read into that. It's just a laughable thing. You've got five thousand men gathered, and you've got a couple loaves and a couple. It's almost a throwaway. Jesus, we got a little. We got our lunch, and then, and then the miracle. Jesus said, "Have the people sit down." Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Well, think about it. I've always thought that the feeding of the five thousand should be the feeding of the twenty thousand, because it says five thousand men, and what that means is they had their families probably with them, so it, it's it's probably a crowd of of, of between fifteen and twenty thousand people. It's huge, huge in the day, and Jesus then said, took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. It's like bread and fish in the hands of the Lord, right? Everybody gets all they want. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. So, wow. Wow. This is Jesus on earth, man. I wish he would come to Bellingham because we wouldn't have any more problem with feeding anybody, right? Here comes Jesus. He can do anything. And he feeds them. And Jesus giving it out. And now there's 12 basketfuls. This overwhelming supply is what you're supposed to see, right? And even 12 baskets. And, And again, we're looking at it with the disciples, right? I think we're supposed to see there's a basket for each disciple. A basket of extra bread to give out and to see the Lord provide so amazingly for us. And what seemed like a zero-sum game, there's Andrew, right? Well, we've got a couple, but there's no way. If everybody tears off a little tiny bit, here's your little bit. This is no Eucharistic morsel. Sorry. <laughs> we have little crackers. This is like, how much bread can you carry? Eat it all. It's amazing. Jesus doesn't split up a small pie. That's our thinking. I think this way in life. You know, I, I try and maximize everything because I know that there's only a limited amount of resources that we have. And and then here comes Jesus and he creates resources. He creates whatever he wants. It's enough because of him. So when... the People saw the sign that he had done. They said, this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. The prophet, when they say the prophet, they're talking about uh, back in Deuteronomy 18, Moses says, there's going to be come one after me who will be on prophet like me. And So like the new Moses, they're saying. The king to lead them now against the Romans, right? Not against sin. And, and boy, you can incite a big riot with with 5,000 men. So perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So Jesus is powerful. He makes this bread and fish. He provides food out of thin air. He's unwilling to be king. He's not conquering with people, but with a new creation. He's not adding Jesus to their life kind of idea, right? (laughs) People flock to that. God can and does provide for people, right? This amazing miracle Jesus provides. But the whole thing about the feeding of the 5,000 is, it's a sign. Don't miss the sign. What's going on right here? And and, and you see it because because the scene just keeps going. It's like, he doesn't pause to reflect on the providence of God and the provision of God. He just keeps going right through, John does. It's not an accident. The scene doesn't stop. It just keeps going. Because it goes, when evening came, the, his disciples, so it's the same day, and the evening comes, and the the disciples went down to the sea, and they got into a boat, and they started across the sea to Capernaum. It's like, okay, the miracle happened. Cool. On to the next thing. And so evening comes, and his disciples go down, and they get into a boat. They started across the sea. Jesus is still up praying, and, and it was now dark, and Jesus hadn't come to them, and the sea became rough because a strong wind was was blowing. Real danger. No Jesus. In the other gospel accounts, this gets a whole treatment, you know. Like what they were thinking, what they were doing, what happened, and Peter walking in the water and all these things. No, nothing here. Just, just really fast. When they rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Got to go to other accounts to figure out why they were frightened. They thought Jesus was a ghost, all that stuff, right? But not here. Here it's just like, oh, yeah, the next thing. He said to them, it's I. Do not be afraid. They were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately, the boat was at the land to where they were going. wow, okay, Dax, uh, you're kind of going too fast. I mean, I want to come and dwell on this amazing wonder of uh, of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and then and then I want to sit on this miracle too about the wonder of Jesus walking on the water, and he's walking by them, and and even says, Ego me right there, it is I, Ego me. That's like the John's statement, or the I am statement, oh, it's Jesus. You say, oh, it's so amazing what Jesus does, and he comes, yeah, yeah, no, but the key phrase that John's after, if you look at the text, is they were alone and lost, and Jesus comes to them, speaks, and then that last phrase, which closes this miracle. Did you catch it? And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. They're rowing hard in the middle of the lake with a storm, don't know where to go, don't have it, it's not gonna make it. Gee, oh no, it's the goat, no, it's Jesus. Oh, and poof. That's as big a miracle as the feeding of the 5,000. All of a sudden, poof, they're at the other side. That's the flavor of this text, right? Clear focus on the presence of Jesus, getting you exactly where you need to go. No, no comment on him stilling the storm. It doesn't say he stilled the storm. Not, oh, look, I have authority over the wind and the waves. It doesn't say that. Just Jesus provides for his people. Do you believe that? Do you really? Jesus provided bread with a basket of leftovers for each disciple. He provides. Jesus provided protection. I will be with you. I will get you to where you're going to go. And Jesus poof, exactly where they needed to be. Who does that? Jesus does. Jesus takes care of his own. Trust him. So so he can do miracles. I know he can. This is right here in the text. He does protect his own, and, and I am his, and you are his, and, and if you've received him and you trust him, and and, and I say, hey, he, he does provide for me, and so I give thanks, and probably you do too. Every time I eat a meal, I we, we pray a prayer of thanksgiving, and we thank God that he provides for us because he does. The text doesn't end there. I think the text should. In my heart, I was like, I like that. I like the idea of God just providing for me, and I can grow and trusting him that he'll provide for me, and, and it makes sense, and it goes along with the Lord's prayer, and, and all these things. But but Jesus won't let it go. There's more here. He doesn't just work on this temporal level, which so many people want you to stay at. Jesus goes deeper, Right? He's not just the the miracle worker. He gives eternal bread, he says. Again, it doesn't surprise me, but look how he does it. So on the next day, it says there in verse 23, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus hadn't entered the boat with his disciples, but the disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they'd eaten the bread after the Lord's given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they got into the boats, they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. We've got to find this guy. He makes bread. So they figure out, kind of, oh, well, Jesus went up on the mountain and the disciples went away, but now Jesus isn't there. Well, where is he? We've got to find him. He snuck away somewhere. Why do they want to find him? Well, Jesus tells them. They found him on the other side of the sea. They say, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. I get it, says Jesus. Full stomach, that's your motivation. You want more bread from men. It's like in Africa, you know. I've told this before, but one of the one of the American mission churches there, decided they would really get people to come to church. And so every time you came to church, you got a dollar. You know how many people came to church? It was amazing. They packed out the place. After about a month, they ran out of money. So they said, hey, glad you're here, but we're done giving you a dollar. Guess what happened the next week? Nobody came. Cause that's the motivation, right? And, and honestly, I do that with the Lord. I think you do too. I just, I just, I know He provides for me, but then if He doesn't provide for me or I don't get the things that I think I should need or have, all of a sudden I'm like, well, maybe the Lord's mad at me. Maybe I'm not praying enough. Maybe I'm not, maybe He doesn't really love me. Maybe, and so we start with our circumstances and who we are, start making up these thoughts about what God is doing with me. Because that motivation hits all of us, right? So Jesus dies underneath the sign that he just did of providing them bread. He says, wait, I was pointing to something deeper. He says, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Get the eternal bread, he says. I can give you better stuff than the stuff that I just did this miracle on. And I say, oh, yeah, but I like that fresh baked bread and like eating it. Yeah, but then by lunch I was hungry again. I can give you better stuff, says Jesus. The Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, approved by the Father, that's the seal being on him. He gives it, work for that bread, food that lasts forever. And the guys are like, fine, I get it. How do we get it? I'll work for that. We have some strength. We'll go with you. So that's why they asked, right? They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? I'm totally down with this and it totally makes sense to my little mind. I hope it does to yours too. If I could say to God, okay, God, you give me eternal bread every day and I will work for you. Just tell me what to do. If you tell me the right thing to do and you'll provide for me, that's a transaction I get it to to, uh, absolutely works in my book. God will give me bread every day. I will work for him. Dude, talk about the awesome job. Guaranteed wages. God's going to do it. I'll just, okay, what do I have to do? This sort of transactional approach that we take. They don't get it like a lot of people don't get it. So Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Do this work. What work? Trust me. (laughs) Right? That's the work. Believing in whom he has sent. Faith on this object. You don't need to do any works. You need to taste and see. Eat. Believe. You know, there's a feast in front of your eyes. You're asking me what you have to do. Eat it. Trust me. Okay, well trust you, well we get it, this guy says that he can give us bread, but we know, we know the Old Testament, I remember manna, got bread from heaven and it came every single day, you know. Jesus, you just did this once. If we're gonna be thinking about, okay, I'll work for God and he'll give me, well, what do you to do? I'm doing my piece, what's your part? Give us to us every day, right? They're still being transactional because it's all they know. They desperately want life to go well. And, and will you do this for me? And if you will, then I will. And, and this gets to the deepest point Jesus is going after. Actually, I want to go here. Jesus himself being the bread. you see me pause i just i just it's so hard to make this transi- transition because i feel like everything that we do and everything that we are is about trying to have a transaction with god about well i'll do this if you'll do that for me and so even then with our faith we're saying god'll give me eternal life and and i'll and i'll make faith a work and, and i'll do this work for you god i'll i'll believe you and so and and down this pathway comes all the faith healing and, and the sort of health and wealth gospel and all this stuff, saying God's willing to bless you and give you this bread if but you just don't trust enough and if you would trust more, he'd give you more. And so when you don't go right, then you're like, well, you're not having enough faith and it, it's all over. It's, it's all over Christianity. It was over, for example, when we were going to have kids and, and we couldn't have kids and so there we were trying to have kids and praying and asking the Lord for kids and people would come up to me, dear Christian, brothers in Africa would come up and say, you know what, I just, your, your faith is not strong enough. If you would really believe, then God would bless you in this transactional model, you know, and they're caught in it. And, and they could go there if if the passage had just ended and you say, okay, this is the work of God. Believe in he whom he has sent. And you say, well, okay, if I believe, then he'll give me this bread. And so I, I transaction, right? My blessings are based on how much faith I have. And Jesus doesn't stop. Because that's not what the answer is. That's not where he's going. Right? Because they say to him there, they say, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) Wait a minute. He just fed 20,000 people. What's more sign do you want? Well, the sign they want is for him to do it again. And again. And again. And again. Why? Because that's what Psalm 78 that they're quoting there is talking about that every day the manna came. For 40 years. However long they were there, God continued to feed his people with bread from heaven, and Moses was the person who, who, who was the mediator of that, and, and so there they are talking about it. Good quote, says Jesus. Good quote. Who's the he? Right? Because look what he says. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, Moses wasn't the key player in giving manna. God was. Jesus' Father was. The, the, The true bread isn't wilderness manna, but what God is giving through Jesus, in Jesus, right now, right? Jesus, wisdom personified. Proverbs 9, he's the, the new temple, he had the feast, the shepherd, the vine, the true bread, the true Torah, it's all Jesus. And so you have this crude thing that they're referring to, which is manna, which is this daily like coriander seed stuff that came down on the ground and they collected it and they only had enough for one day and they ate it and then the next day they got more. And, and it pointed to, to Jesus, but crudely, right? Jesus is so much more. the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world these are the two things Jesus does right he comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world I want this bread this bread that gives life this greater bread so 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 look he says God gives you bread from heaven an amazing offer and he says it to them this crowd right now Jesus Jesus says it to all them God's giving it take it it's free eat it and then look explicitly in verse 33. He gives life to the world. This is a global offer. More than the Jews, more than Israel. He says, here, I, here it is, this bread. And so they say to him, sir, give us this bread always. We want it. This is what we all want. I really want it. God to provide for me. I want help for me. And so Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread. This is the, one of the first of the I am statements Jesus is going to make through John. I am. He doesn't function to give you bread. He is the bread himself. This is what changes your life right here. The object of your hunger and your thirst is Jesus. Amen. Right? We, we can't do the work that God requires except to trust Jesus. So you must have this eternal bread. You take it in. And the one who is bread is Jesus. So work it out with me, will you? Because now we're deep into the story because we have the incredible miracle where Jesus fed everybody. And I say, well, I wish Jesus would do that again. I wish there'd be a miracle right here in our town where just, man, people would come to Jesus because God gives them bread. And I miss the fact that really the reality there is that God provides every single day for every single person that ever lived. It's a provision of God for them. And then we have this reality that the very special protection and provision that God makes for his people. And I say, I want to stop right there. And I just want I just want it to be shown by everybody how well God takes care of me. And my testimony is he does. And he takes care of you too. But then it goes more, says it's not really about the bread you're gonna eat and you're gonna hungry again. It's about the bread of eternal life. That's Jesus. And he's saying, man, what you need from me is eternal life and he'll give it to you. So okay, well, well I'll do anything for that, for eternal life bread. So, so, so there it is. I'm after, well, how can I get it? And then comes the real point of the whole thing that he's doing. Jesus is the bread. You gotta work it through to understand how deep this is. Cause I'm tempted to take it as a really nice story about Jesus feeding hungry people. And that's not the point. He does help us. He supplies abundantly. He's with his own personally. He doesn't leave him alone. He's trustworthy. And what he's trustworthy for is taking care of you and me. And and so this idea comes in of Jesus is my bread, is that my hunger, my assurance, my identity, the deep things of my life are about Jesus Christ being bread for me. Because you know what? I long for God to be pleased with me. And the assurance I have, and usually the assurance I look for is, okay, if God's pleased with me, then my circumstances will go well. When God's happy, he gives me more bread. When God's happy, then he, he does things that, that I want and things that I, are a blessing to me. And, and I'm right back in thinking like they did long ago. Instead, Jesus says, I am your bread. Here, you've received me. You have it already. And the huge change of, of something given to you already that you have, <laughs> means you have such assurance that life is for you forever. Why? Because Jesus said so. He says, I'm the bread. So, says, so I'm the bread. And so I take him in and we take communion. This is this, this imaging that we're going to do in just a few minutes. That we take in the very body and blood of Jesus saying, yeah, take and eat. Why? Because he's my bread. Means what? I'm enough for you, says Jesus. It's not you striving to get there. It's not you walking up some ladder to get somewhere. It's not you somehow improving and maturing to get somewhere. All of those things are fantastic when they happen. I want you to mature. I want you to live a moral life. But let me tell you the real thing is that the bread, your assurance, your joy, your identity, Jesus provides. Maybe you see Jesus mostly as a provider of bread to help you live your life. If only I had more strength, bread would help me. If only I had more resources, bread is needed. If only I had more stuff, more bread, (laughs) well, I'll use it to improve myself. And and then you're in the first part of the passage before Jesus comes and he pulls in. He says, wait a minute, I'm the bread. And that shift, and I see what's underneath. I've got the best gift ever. It's Jesus himself. And I stand and I say, I've received the bread. And I will have it forever. Which means I have eternal life forever. Which means my sin doesn't keep me from God. My mistakes are so what? Call them out. The whole idea of me and you and and what we proclaim. And we're so anti-culture. Because when bad things happen, I don't think God's against me. Why do I think? Because he's already given me the bread. I've got it. No matter what may come, no matter what storm, no matter what wrong circumstance, no matter what thing, I realize I've already been given the most amazing gift that I could ever have and it's for me. Jesus Christ is for me. So no matter what may come, you, dear person, no matter what division happens, no matter what calamity is in our future, no matter, I know this, you've got the greatest gift you could ever have because Jesus Christ is for you and you receive him. And you have eternal life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to him will never hunger. He who drinks of him will never thirst. Do you believe it? I do. And then my flesh comes in and tries to rob it away. Hey, we need each other. Remind each other. We have received the greatest gift you could ever have. Tell somebody this great gift because it's available for them too. Trust Jesus. Let's pray.